everyone, and welcome to GRA Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers, juggling work, home, family, kids, and finances, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. We understand how overwhelming and stressful life can be, especially when caregiving is involved. So Jerry Talk is here to provide you with resources, tools, and support to help you not only survive this season of caregiving, but to thrive in it. Today, we continue along in our conversation on care planning, and we're diving into the legal side of planning. The legals can be confusing, it can be overwhelming, and even a little scary for some people. So I've brought on attorney Greg Varner, who's going to be an amazing resource for us in understanding this sometimes confusing side of care planning. Greg has a really great way of simplifying these terms and helping us to understand the different powers of attorney and the difference between an advanced directive, a living will, and a a final will. There's so much great information in our conversation that I have decided to split it into two separate episodes. So today, we're really going to look at an overview. We're going to talk about the conversation that we should be having and what we need to be thinking about to prepare for care planning from a legal standpoint. And then next week, we're going to really dive deep into the different types of legal documents and tools that we need to be utilizing. Like I said, this is a great episode. And just to give you a little background on Greg, so he has 20 years of experience in law. Initially, his training started in elder law and estate planning. And so this is one area that he really likes. Although he has lots of experience to draw from in other matters of law, this is one area that he really knows well. And so he's a great resource for us. And if you would like to get in touch with Greg, I'm going to put his information in the show notes so that you can reach out. I'm going to let him go into a little bit more of his background from a personal and professional perspective. So let's just jump right in and talk to our guest today, Attorney Greg Varner. So Greg, thank you so much for joining us today on Jerry Talk. Well, thank you for having me. In the intro, I'm going to give a little bit about you, but why don't we go ahead and and you give a little bit of background information about yourself and let our listeners know who you are and what you do in our area. I am originally from uh, Atlanta, uh, the College Park area, and grew up there. I did my undergrad at Georgia Tech and and studied economics and international relations there. After college, I I did a year with a law firm in Atlanta called Alston & Bird, a very large law firm there. And after a year there, uh, from clerking there, I then went to law school at Regent Law in Virginia. My wife, Kelly, she is from Millerville, a very small town in East Central Alabama. And so we, um, I graduated from law school on May 10th. And then on May 22nd, we got married and I started studying for the bar and we moved back to Alabama. Um, I had originally taken a position with a firm over in Roanoke, Alabama, and it was a general practice. But most of my training in law school uh, was in estate planning and probate administration. Um, my very first day of the firm, though they had me in, in court, uh, that was a little different than what I, anything I had expected to do in law school. And so thankfully, it did provide me a, a much broader exposure than just the estate planning and probate area. But that's what I had thought I was going to exclusively practice 
But afterwards, uh, again, my practice, we, uh, I worked there for that firm for about a year. And then uh, a year later, Kelly and I actually hung out my shingle in Ashland, Alabama. And uh, that was in 2000. And since that point, we've uh, grown the firm. Uh, we now have two offices, one in Ashland and the other over in the Chelsea area. Uh, we have uh, four attorneys and a whole host of paralegals and legal assistants now. And through the years, my practice has just grown, again, much beyond estate planning. But uh, that that still remains a primary area of our practice and my training. So um, I, I still do a, a lot of that from uh, drafting wills uh, to doing Medicaid planning and then administering people's estates and litigating those things. So um, I'm, I enjoy this area of the law. Um, I, I will say that I'm, I'm glad I, I got the exposure into a whole host of other areas, but this is one of my favorite areas uh, still to practice. This has always been such an interesting part of law to me, just that estate planning, senior care. And so that's really why we brought you on today. This is part of a series on just planning for senior care. And we've got a lot of caregivers who are mm -hmm. listening and there's different parts of senior care that maybe they aren't familiar with or they just need more resources and tools. And so that's what we're hoping to accomplish. You know, I find that the legal side of elder care can be confusing for people. It can be really overwhelming and really it can be scary to a degree. Do you find that on your side? Do you see that in your practice? Yes. And I, I think that that is also uh, a result of people not having full information. There's a, a, a lot of urban myths that exist that people have talked about. Uh, they hear their families yeah. discuss or nightmare scenarios. And so I think there's just a lot of misinformation that goes along with that. And so when, when I ever consult with a family, that's often a, a primary part of the consult is just dispelling some of the myths that they come to the consult with. I usually feel that my clients leave with a sense of relief. Uh, you know, they'll tell me that we heard this and then I'll tell them sort of what an accurate picture is. And most times they, they'll say, you know, that makes me feel so much better. I'm glad that's the reason we're here is to, to really get the accurate information rather than listening from, you know, to Uncle Tom and tell them the bad things that they had done or were doing. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, and so I do recommend everybody that if you've if you're in that situation where you're a caregiver or that's in on the horizon that you seek independent counsel. I'll give you from my own family perspective. You know, here I am, Mr. Estate Planning Lawyer, and my mom was the primary caregiver for both my grandmother and my great aunt for years. Mm. And so we had put these plans into place and my mom was trying to do some planning with their, was caring for them totally. She had them in, in her house, was paying for all their groceries, cooking for them, bathing them, buying their insure, buying their diapers and everything. And so then when my grandmother got to the point that she needed to go to the nursing home, um, it was only then that I learned my mom was actually taking the social security checks. And of course, depositing and then spending that out more than she was taking in, spending out. But it caused some issues for Medicaid uh, when we ultimately made that application. So, right. That's the reason it's important that I say that if you see that these things are on the horizon, early planning in this area is as important, if, if not more, than any other area that I can think of is 
is seeing down the road where things are going. And I'll tell my clients, it's important that even if we, you know, draw up a, a whole host of estate planning documents and get everything in place, just like they review and have their health checked sometimes quarterly or annually, that I always suggest that they at least have their estate plan reviewed every three to five years because their family situation may have changed or the health may have changed or the laws could have changed. So it's always important just to keep updated and, and to keep reviewing those matters. And it's not something that, oh, you know, we check the box, we're done. It's something that as your life changes, your estate plan may need to change. That's a great point. So let's take a step back and just explain okay. to me what is elder law and estate planning? Yeah, uh, those are two, within the bar, they would describe those as two separate areas. Estate planning is primarily the drafting of your estate. And when I say estate, that's your property, your accounts, furniture, how you want that to be distributed during your lifetime, but then also after your death. So when you're talking of estate planning, usually it includes the preparation of documents, and that would be things such as a last will, a, a durable power of attorney, a living will. And that is kind of the, that trio there is sometimes considered the basic estate plan. For me, though, I think an estate plan is much more than the documents that you prepare. It also includes uh, your deeds and your bank accounts, life insurance policies. All of those things are part of an estate plan. So I can draw up the fanciest last will in the world, but if we don't coordinate the bank accounts, the life insurance policy, beneficiary designations, the deeds, to ensure that it is all working in a coordinated manner, we can defeat everything we do in the will. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason that when, when I consult with people, it's more than just, I've, you know, I've drawn up a last will. It's also making sure that all the parts of their estate plan work together to accomplish that purpose. So that, that's kind of a state planning. Uh, elder law is a little broader and it deals with all the issues that may come into play for the elderly. And that can be domestic relation issues with elder law for a divorced couple is much different than it is for a, you know, a, a recent married. It also includes care for individuals in the nursing home. It would include areas of con about what are called conservatorships and guardianships. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but that it's much broader than this, just the documents and establishing uh, what happens, the documents and plans that you have in place if something goes wrong down the road. Who should consult an attorney, an estate attorney, and an elder law attorney? Most of the time, your estate planning attorneys um, would okay. do elder law, um, but there may be attorneys that there may be estate planning attorneys that don't do that. Most elder law attorneys will okay. do both, uh, because, for instance, I would consider myself an, within the elder law practice, and so I not only will do last will and testament litigation, uh, I will do conservatorships and guardianships in court. 
but I also do estate planning drafting. So I would say that if you find someone that is practicing in elder law, that they most likely will be able to uh, handle both aspects of that. So, and that's how most attorneys that uh, are firms that have an elder law practice, when they market themselves in that manner, they're going to be capable of doing probably everything we'll be talking about today. Okay, that's good to know. So for someone who's listening that is thinking, okay, these are conversations I need to go ahead and start having, you know, before a crisis occurs, before an illness happens. Right. How does that conversation go? What are what are the key things that we need to start thinking about from the beginning? Well, the I usually you would talk when I was in law school, I was taught that the the last will was the most critical part of an estate plan. In my practice, I've you know, I've been at it 20 years now and and I've a little I've changed that a little bit, but that's always a good place to start is to discuss Number one, an idea of what assets that does someone's mom or dad have, or that are they themselves? What assets are there? How is their title, their deeds? That's the reason I always, when I when I have a consult, I ask people to bring copies of their deeds mm-hmm. to me, but also copies of their bank accounts and their life insurance policies. And that goes back to that coordination idea, because it's important for us to identify what assets are there? And the reason that's cr- number one important is we have to examine whether uh, there are any tax consequences, estate tax consequences to their ownership. But also, and related to that, is making sure that at their death, how are these properties going to be uh, distributed? And to make sure that there's proper title and proper ownership in those things at their death. And so that's usually how that would be the first thing is just gathering an itemization of what accounts there are, what assets there are. And that's important for kids that may not be providing direct care or direct supervision over their parents' Mm -hmm. finances. They may not know. And so that's an important conversation to have with their parents where they can get some or at least encourage their parents and their elders to put that down in writing. So if something happens to them, there's a location that they can go and identify where do we need to contact, what banks do we need to contact? Right. And and so that's important. That's a, a very critical part to discuss. And in today's world, another aspect of that is gaining access to those accounts. I have a a lot of elder clients that are as internet and online savvy as I am. Absolutely. So the ability to have access to those digital assets is something, it's a new part of our practice, but it's something that you need to be thinking of. If something happens to you, how will your kids access your bank accounts Mm -hmm. if they need to? Are they on there? Or things simple, this is an odd thing to think about. A lot of people have Facebook accounts. If something happens to you, how will people get in to access all your your photographs to extract that information or to close down your Facebook account? Right. I have some client, my stepmother, in fact, that when she passed away, she had a, a fairly active Facebook account, and it took my my stepbrothers and sisters a period of time for them to be able to close that down because it kept popping up. Yes. As if she was still alive. So every year it would come up and say, today's her birthday. Right. And that was not 
the most helpful thing. And then people that hadn't known she'd passed away were doing things like, you know, posting happy birthday. Um, So those are, it's, it's very important to have that conversation that everybody at least has information about what accounts are there and then how do we access that? Um, So that's how I would begin uh, that conversation is identifying those things. I think that the conversation itself is sometimes hard for people. I think it's a very real fear for for people. If we talk about end of life type mm. situations, then end of life is going to happen. Right. And that is a very legitimate fear. One thing that we talk about a lot in our practice and in Jerry Talk is, you know, knowledge is power. And so it's not necessarily that you have to act on everything right away, but the more conversation we can have and really just laying out some foundational elements will make conversations as someone ages and progresses much easier. It's been my experience that most of my elder clients are very realistic about where they are in life. Yes. And are very open with me. Now, that's not to say that they are open with their kids about those things. Right. Uh, But I have found that when they come in, I mean, they're they're facing the the reality of of the future. And so often once they get into the office, I think that they are sometimes more practical in dealing with these situations than maybe their kids would be. But that's always the the difficulty is, you know, you'll have clients, uh, the kids are encouraging mom and dad to get something done, get something done. And so sometimes that is the uh, just getting them to the office, I think, is probably the more difficult side from the caregiver side mm-hmm. is convincing them that we need to do something uh, because a lot of people don't recognize the exposure of liability of various of various sorts by not acting. Right. So that's uh, but I do think it's important for them. You know, holidays is is not is a hard time to raise those conversations. But sometimes that's the only time that everybody's together, particularly if there's multiple siblings, Mm -hmm. multiple children that need to be in the conversation. But once they make the decision to proceed, I think they are to come into the come into the office. Once you can get them there, I found that often that they're they're more than willing to act once they hear it from a third party. I think that's sometimes the case is they don't necessarily believe the, the, the danger that their kids may have heard about or the caregiver may be telling them about. Yeah, I think the third party is key. And I find that too. I can have a much more realistic conversation with a client than sometimes the child can as well. And I think it's because it's the emotional side mm. is is taking a back seat. And instead, we're just talking about the realistic and the practical side. Right. And so it's something to encourage. I'm not sure, you know, where, you know, how hard you push on it, but it's certainly something that they should uh, raise those conversations with. And I think the majority of the time, I think it's received well. Mm-hmm. There are those family situations where you may have a dad uh, or a mom that uh, it's been my experience. Usually it's the dad that is just obstinate about acting. But again, that's that's I would not say that's in any way the majority of the cases. Thanks for joining us today on the first of two episodes as we talk to Greg about the legal side of elder care. Next week, we're going to really dive deep into advanced directives, powers of attorney, the legal documentation, if you will, that we need to be prepared for 
And there's so much good information you are not going to want to miss it. So join us next week, too, as we dive in even deeper in the legal side. Subscribe to Jerry Talk so you never miss an episode. And do us a huge favor and rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get the information out to more people as they search for Jerry Talk. Until next week, when we talk to Greg again, have a great week.